This is part three of First Thessalonians five, six to eleven, and it may be that I would put this on my gravestone. It has become so precious to me. I want to tell you why and then show you. I was diagnosed with uh, prostate cancer about 15 years ago, and uh, the doctor announced his desire to do a biopsy out of the blue. I had no idea that this was about to happen. And he walks out of the room and says, I'm going to go get the machine right now to do the biopsy, as though there was some urgency. And I was left alone for, I don't know, five or ten minutes getting myself ready in this room all by myself. And that morning, this was the verse that I had read for my devotions, and it came to me with an extraordinary power and peace. God has not destined you, John Piper, us Christians, us born-again, faith-filled Christians. God has not destined us for wrath. In other words, it just sounded like a most personal and precious word of God saying, if you have cancer, it's not wrath. Get that out of your head. Get this helmet on. <laughs> for the hope of salvation, because you're not destined for wrath, you're destined for that salvation. So put that helmet on your head and get rid of every thought that Satan would shoot into your brain that this cancer is condemnation. That's really practical, folks. So let's look at this. Father, as we look at it, may it have that precious power for everybody who's listening. In Jesus' name, amen. God has not destined us, Christians, for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, whether you die of cancer, whether you are awake or asleep, die of cancer, that's what that would be. Asleep is dead. Awake is alive. We might live. You live with him, John Piper. If you die of cancer within a year, you're going to be alive. You're going to be alive with Jesus. This is just glorious. Therefore, encourage one another. Well, I guess. You know anybody who's struggling? Here's your agenda. Encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Talk for a minute about wrath. Not destined for wrath. The wrath he's talking about, we've seen back in chapter 1. They themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. You don't need to be afraid of the coming wrath. You're going to be delivered from it. That's what he's saying in our text. Or another word about wrath from Romans. Do you presume upon the riches of his kindness, you unbeliever, and, and the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, but you, because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up 
wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment. It will be a righteous judgment. God is not ticked off irrationally. He has a holy, righteous judgment, and it will be through and through upright, righteous, holy, just. And we pile it up by our refusal to repent in spite of the kindness and forbearance and patience of God. Why is it coming? Just a glimpse here from Romans 5, I mean Ephesians 5. You may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral, impure, covetous, so he picks out these two big killers of human souls, immoral sex and money, And that covetousness, he says, that is an idolater. All sin is, in one sense, idolatry, but covetousness is especially worthy of the title. Such have no inheritance in the kingdom of God, Christ, and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words because of these things. The wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. So God has not destined us for that. And you need to put that on your head. That's a hope, the hope of salvation. This salvation, not the hope or worry about wrath. What does this mean? He has not destined us for this, but he's destined us for this. This is God's predestination. We've already seen back in chapter 1 that he chose these Christians. Now he's destining. Here's the description of it in 2 Thessalonians. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers loved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and through belief in the truth. So, election and predestination always pass through our belief in the truth. He brings us by this choosing and this destining to believe in the truth. To this end, he called you through our gospel, that's what you believed in, so that you may obtain, that's the same word as he uses here, but to obtain salvation, that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus. That's another way of describing salvation, or that we will live with him in glory forever. For God has, has not destined us. We know we are predestined 
not to experience wrath, but salvation because of the work he's done in our hearts to bring us to faith. This will all be through our Lord Jesus Christ. The future salvation and the past. Future is here. The hope of salvation. That's future. The hope of salvation, namely the salvation from the wrath of God in the future when Christ comes back. And the past salvation is here through our Lord Jesus Christ, who will deliver us at that time. And he died in the past for us so that this will happen. So the death of Christ in the past and the coming of Christ in the future are the double deliverance. This purchases our salvation. This completes our salvation. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Remember the issue of Christians having died back in chapter 4. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. They've died. That you may not grieve as others who have no hope. And so he's saying, if this cancer takes you out, John Piper, you will live. And chapter 4, verse 17 and 18 refers to that living and that encouragement. Then we who are alive or left will be caught up together with them, that is, those who have died of their cancers or their persecution, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another. And he ends in exactly that way. We will live with him. If we're awake when the Lord comes, if we're dead when the Lord comes, we will be alive with him forever. Encourage one another and build one another up with these words. So let me, let me say it again. I pray, I do, I pray for you right now that you would wear this helmet to protect your mind, because I'll tell you, when you get the sentence of death upon your life, and it will come sooner or later, the doctor's going to say, there's nothing more we can do. You have a month. I have a friend who died a week ago. He had one month. The doctor told him, you have one month. And for his one month, how did he protect himself against the thoughts in the middle of the night? He told me he was having terrible thoughts in the middle of the night about hell and about wrath and about judgment. And this is what the helmet is for, the hope of salvation. Preach to yourself. Here's what I do, and I'll close with this. Now, at age 75, when I go to bed at night, realizing my heart's going to give out one of these nights, and I may not wake up on earth, but in heaven, I lay down, I put my head on the pillow, and I say, thank you that you have not destined me for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for me, so that whether I wake up in the morning or 
die tonight in my sleep, I will be alive with you. Oh, it is good to preach this gospel to yourself as you go to bed at night and assure yourself you are not destined for wrath.